Welcome to the Answers from Leadership podcast. I'm your host, Joseph Lalonde. In each episode, you'll hear from leaders across the world. You'll hear their struggles, their thoughts on leadership, and a parting word of wisdom from each guest. Are you ready to hear Answers from Leadership? I hope you are, because it's coming at you right now. Today, I'm excited to have Beth Butler on the podcast. Beth helps principal-centered yet overwhelmed professionals maximize their time, take charge of their priorities, and connect well with others so they can joyfully excel in bringing hope and value to the world around them. What else would you have the listeners know about you today, Beth? Well, in a very specific way, the roles I play are uh, as a collaborative virtual assistant, a business soft skills trainer, and a writer and blogger. So the, a collaborative virtual assistant is someone who uh, works as an administrative and executive assistant for people around the country uh, without being necessarily in their location. Uh, so it's a more of an independent subcontract type of thing. I help several people around the country in different fields uh, take care of some of their different tasks that needs to be done each week and help take a little stress off of each of those people each week by handling some of the routine tasks that they don't want to have to worry about. And then in business soft skills, business soft skills are primarily non-computer type of uh, skills such as time management, customer service, skills for the administrative assistant, managing of conflict, the types of things that every worker needs to be able to do. Uh, as they interact with people and with their tasks. So that's the other part of what I do. I teach classes on occasion. And then the writing and blogging, are I write on topics to do with helping overwhelmed professionals excel. That's what HOPE stands for. And my business is called HOPE Unlimited. But I also put a faith-based flavor into various things. I have some faith-based books on Amazon uh, because I was a longtime church employee. So I business and faith mesh together a lot in the work that I did. So, What do you consider yourself a leader? Well, I feel like I was born a leader in some ways. I'm an only child. Um, I'm married to an only child and I have an only child also, which is very unique. But uh, through the years of being an only child, I think only children tend to be, could lead sometimes because they have to come up with their own fun and be creative and all that. Uh, and I enjoyed doing different things throughout the years, helping volunteering, doing things at church. Um, I did well in school and I was I still am an achiever type. Uh, and then through the years in my work, I've had roles that have put me in like office management, managing a team and now running my own business. I feel like I lead myself <laughs> a lot of times and also have to, when you are an entrepreneur, you are a natural leader. And I also work for some folks who are leaders out in the business world. So you have to be a good leader and a follower. <laughs> I agree. Yeah. Well, with positions of leadership, we all face difficulties. Have you encountered any difficulties leading? Not at all. <laughs> no, yes, I have. Um, I've had the probably the biggest difficulty, two different ones. One is when I was involved in workplaces, um, I have sadly had, had the occasion of being involved in some personnel issues uh, that were kind of big. Um, and so I've been on, I, I've been on both ends of both hiring and firing. Um, ironically, I've actually lost several jobs through the years that were, um, I became a victim of, of, of attrition, you might say, that they reorganized and, 
I'm actually a, a very much a generalist and a dabbler in life, which sometimes felt like a curse because when it came time for a business to, or an organization to need something more specialized, they weren't quite sure what to do with me because of my skills were that I could fill lots of gaps. And so it's been almost comical, the different jobs over the years that I've worked myself out of jobs several different times. So I know how it feels to, to lose jobs you love, but I also know how it feels to have to be on the other side and uh, as, as a manager, be part of some personnel decisions that were not easy. And it's never easy for someone to hear that things have to change. So that's one side of the challenge of leadership. And the other side is just truly is leading yourself or leading myself, I guess. Uh, it's a constant journey. I write about things to do with overwhelmed professionals because I am one. <laughs> so I've written about time management and organization, and then I'm regularly looking at myself and saying, boy, you know, I might be a hypocrite this week or I, I can't quite fit this all together the right way. So it, that is an ongoing journey of, of leaving yourself well. So what have you learned through that experience? Oh, let's see. Well, I, I've learned, I'm, I, I guess it's more of I'm learning, uh, especially it's more intense now that I, uh, back in October, I went fully as an entrepreneur. Uh, most of the time up through that, my career, I had worked at least part-time in a, for an employer, and then I did some things on the side. So starting in October, I, I really began to run the business fully that that's my main thing. I don't know how long that's going to be, but that's how where I'm, the season I'm in right now. Uh, so I think the it's, it's just an ongoing journey of, of learning uh, what works for each individual person, like I can't, my style of leading myself or leading a business is not going to be the exact same as somebody else. It's not going to be the same as yours all the time. Uh, there's lots of different personalities in leadership. So if you work with other people, some people may lead a project a totally different way than what you would do. And it's it comes out of our natural gifting and our natural personality sometimes. So I've learned I've had to adapt um, I work for several clients and they all have different personalities. So I have to adapt to some people are just total hands off, almost just run with things. Other people like stuff, you know, to have more of a sense of control over what, what's being put out or what's being created for them. And, and neither one's right or wrong necessarily. It's just a leader has to adapt to the people around them and to the fo their followers too, their audience of people that they're leading or their team at work. They have to adapt to some of those folks needs. So, it's something you're never done with. Uh, you you learn as you grow and then even as you, you age and all that, the types of things and seasons you're in, what works in one season doesn't work in a later season. You know, a, a mom that's got a lot of kids or a young family may not have the uh, some of the options that someone whose child has grown like mine has for how we spend our time, for example. So that's some of the, the things I've learned along the way to learn to adjust to each season and each situation. Mm -hmm. Why do you think leaders get overwhelmed? Well, I think a lot of good leaders are also creative people. They're very driven and they have an idea. Like the folks I work with um, run organizations or are high up in an organization or a business. And some are uh, solopreneurs where they're pretty much their own. They have a team maybe, but they're pretty much it. I mean, they are the brand of, of what they do. And so I think that um, there's a drivenness in people who who have the ability to start a ministry or to start an organization. There is a drive in in us, and 
I find that um, the reason we get overwhelmed is because we put our hands in so many things because we hear we should be having a social media presence presence and we should be growing and be involved professionally and watching videos and constantly learning. We should be reading a book a week or a book a month and all these expectations that good leaders, you know, and CEOs, the, the average CEO reads so much a year and all that. And I think that we become overwhelmed with these are all good things. But how do I find the rhythm of finding time to read and finding time to network and go to networking events and, and finding time to sit and create things and get get my emails caught up with and all that. So I think we feel like we have to be everything. So we get overwhelmed trying to be all things to all people. And if you're trying to build a ministry or build a big a business, you want to build a platform of people. And so you you don't want to say no necessarily to things. And you want to make sure that you're constantly engaging with folks, but then you have all this stuff coming at you. So it, it's, it's an interesting dichotomy a little bit. And, and it all falls on you a lot of times as the leader where, whereas if you're simply a follower, you defer all the, all the decisions to the other guy or gal that's making the decisions. And you can just, you can kind of relax a little bit, but the leader's shoulders, if we go down the wrong direction with this and it fails, I'm the one who decided to do that. So there's that pressure a little bit. I face that as well in my blog, trying to be on Facebook, Twitter, Pinterest, yeah. Instagram. You know, there's all these different channels and things pulling at our attention. Yes. Um, what tips do you have to lighten that load? Well, automation in life, in, in, in your workflow is pretty important, I think. Um, one, you have to decide when it comes to, let's just take social media since you mentioned that. Um, most of us feel like we need to have a presence on most of the major channels. Although some best practices are that you pick one or two and you truly engage on that channel. And the others you may throw stuff out onto just have a presence. For example, Google Plus has never been anything that I have connected well with. I don't understand it real well. I have a presence. I'm not sure how to get to it. Sometimes it feels like, but I have some things that will automatically post to it, like blog posts and things like that. But I get very little engagement there. I do, however, get a lot of engagement on Facebook because over the years, I've worked for a couple large organizations, large churches, and I've connected with a lot of people. And so that's the place, if I'm going to think out loud about something, for me, Facebook is the place to go. I probably should go to LinkedIn some, given that I support professionals. And I do try to put some blog posts on LinkedIn, but I have found that uh, people engage with me the most on Facebook doesn't always lead to business necessarily, but it does allow me to um, minister to people as well and to be an encouragement. And I feel like part of the platform I have is to to encourage people and to use my gift of writing uh, also on social media. So it's not always has to be about building a business necessarily. I've got a responsibility to people who read what I write. So uh, to answer your question in very practical terms is to select what channels you really can engage in well and not worry about like, I've not done anything with Periscope. That's kind of the new, one of the new things. At this point, I, I, it's interesting, but I don't know that it's going to be anything I need to add. And there's seasons. You know, there may be a season that you produce a lot of YouTube videos. I've thought about doing a podcast. Good for you for doing one. Um, I think I would enjoy it on one hand, but I know it's a big commitment. So you have to think about this. My other advice is to think out what the commitment's going to be along the way. And I'm constantly trying to learn that myself. One example I can give you, I live in a rural area and to go down to our city uh, is it 
probably a 40 minute drive. And that's not long compared to some people I know who commute some things, but just in my, in our mindset in South, in South Carolina. Um, so I've started to think in terms of if I have a meeting downtown and I love going downtown, but if I have a meeting downtown, I really need to add an hour and a half to however long that meeting is going to be to allow for the commute back and forth. So if I'm working at lunch downtown, it's really going to be a three to four hour commitment of my day. Um, whereas if I just go to something in town that's 10 minutes away, you know, you can adjust based on the areas you're driving to. And I think we forget. We forget to add those commute times. We forget to add, you know, when you go to the gym to do a 30-minute workout, you forget to add time for a shower or changing clothes or, you know, going and relaxing on their massage beds or whatever they may offer at your particular gym. So you think, oh, I'm just going to run to the gym for a half hour. An hour and a half later, <laughs> your hour, you've used up an hour and a half. And that's fine as long as you plan for it, as long as you realize, okay, I'm going to go to the gym two days a week. It, you know, it's going to take an hour and a half each day, each time, and not just my workout. So that's probably one of my biggest advice right now for leaders is we tend to, we tend to think we can do these things and we don't really, we do the big picture, but we don't really think about, okay, this is really going to take me a, a whole morning a week to do a podcast or to produce something. So to really think it out. So what I'm hearing is that as leaders, we can overlook the true time cost rather than just the immediate or the productive portion. Yeah. That it takes that. That's it. And this is where my brain kind of works in both ends because of being both a leader and an administrator, strong in administration and in leadership. Um, It's, it's good and bad, but it's a balance where sometimes I get too caught in the big picture of, yeah, well, I could start that group or I could do that. And I, you know, the creative side and, and the connecting side goes, Hey, we could do that. And then I back up and, and, and the administrative side is, well, I can't belong to four different networking and Bible study groups or something I, at once. You know, I have to think which one of these is really going to meet the seasonal place where I'm at the best. And learn to say no. I've heard it said that, you know, one of the most important words for leaders is the word no. So that you can say yes to the things you're truly, really good at. I think sometimes people might be surprised that, wow, somebody will pay you thus and so an hour to do that simple task. But they make maybe so much more an hour doing what they only can do. That to take that little piece out to pay me to do the, the part that is more administrative in nature. To them, it's a win. Because then they still have more time to focus on the things only they know how to do with their higher level skills. It's not to say administration is not a high level skill, but you mean more technical, maybe something more technical or maybe something, you know, of a higher level that takes more concentration. And they have me make a travel arrangement or something because anybody could maybe call and make a travel arrangement or, or book a ticket. But is that their best time, you know, time best spent for them spending time to do that? So that's where I come in. Yeah, that kind of leads into my next question um, about productivity. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think, you know, overwhelmed professionals and leaders are trying to become more productive. Do you have any tips on becoming a more productive leader? Uh, I think we have so many distractions. This is what I struggle with. There's so much input that's coming into my daily life. You think about email. I looked at one person's iPhone one time, and they had on the little icon of how many emails they had sitting and it was ridiculous I mean, 30 40,000 I don't know something crazy um, some people keep all their emails 
And um, I feel like we have so much input coming in, notifications from social media, emails coming in, voicemails left on our phones, plus the face-to-face conversations and people say, hey, can you know, can you remind me of that, that kind of thing. That somehow if we could learn to control for the input and capture it and put it in one central place. Like I rely heavily on my Outlook task. I've used Outlook tasks for years and years. I'm not saying that's the only program, but that's the, the, the recurring task, the fact that I can drag an email and current tasks to deal with later, schedule that task. All those things help me a lot because I'm capturing a lot of these this input so I don't have to have my email sitting there like my to-do list. I don't believe in using my email as a to-do list. I use it as a communication tool. I drag it into to-dos or I delete them. I like to live in inbox zero. Uh, I get too overwhelmed otherwise. There's just too much. And there's other choices you can make. Do you really need to have Facebook notifications popping up on your phone, for example? You know, uh, not you. I'm just saying the you in general. Um, we like to know what's going on. I do. But at the same time, if you have that notification popping up and on top of your phone is all these notifications constantly, mentally, I think feel like there's all these mosquitoes around that we're swatting. So... That would be one thing for productivity is to control what notifications come into your life. Uh, and I'm talking to myself too and ha- have that time that, you know, maybe for a period of time you're not having some notifications. I'm not a person that follows the guideline that you only check email a couple times a day, but that's partly because as an administrative assistant specialist, part of my job is keeping up with things and I feel it's important to be responsive. To people, I've done that for 25, 30 years. My job is, you know, to maintain that kind of thing. So my mindset's a little different. For many people, that is good advice to just check your email a couple of times a day. And even me, I have to be careful when it's running in the background and I'm trying to work on a project. That, that, that can be a touchy thing for me even. And there might be wisdom in me just shutting it down for that hour while I'm working on that one project. What do you wish you would have known about leadership 10 years ago? Well, one thing I've discovered as I'm leading my own business now is that it's actually a little lonely. Um, I think that there are times that leaders have to shoulder decisions and that are actually harder than people realize. And people might look to a leader and think, oh, well, he's got it made. You know, he's he makes more money or he's, he gets to make all the decisions. And with leadership comes great responsibility. And it is what they say, it's lonely at the top. Well, sometimes it's lonely when you're running, you're the, the main make a decision and you might not make a popular decision. Uh, I remember I used to work for a nonprofit organization many years ago. And if I, if I recall the details correctly, I was given the opportunity to become the lead administrative assistant and declined it because I was afraid, you know, people, it, it would change the relationships. I now wish I had taken that responsibility and gotten even more um, leadership training or opportunity through, especially since I, I have no contact with any of those people anymore. This was a period of time where a workplace situation, I was friendly with them, but it really, I, I falsely thought, you know, the friendships, our friendships that form at work. But I think it's also realistic to realize that a lot of times they're around a common cause in a, a common uh, job workplace and that when you leave that job, you may retain relationships with a few. And I do. I have single people here and there that I've worked with and maintained close friendships with afterwards. 
but I think that's the exception, not the rule. The friendships develop because you see each other. But once you move on to another job, it's different. And there's nothing wrong with that. It's just different. And so to, to not take out an opportunity to grow as a person just because you're afraid that people, you might have a time leading the people around you, it's probably not a good idea. If you've given that, if somebody recognizes leadership in you, you should take advantage of the opportunity to learn how to be a leader, even if it means that it might be a little awkward with the people that you lead. You can work that too. That's a great thing to learn how to do. So if I if I had known that you know, 10, 20 years ago, the benefit I, I could have had by taking on that responsibility, I probably would have gone ahead and done it. I noticed you mentioned that you know relationships uh, relationships can be strained as you move into the leadership realm. You know, you said we can work around it. What are some ways that you've worked around those strained relationships? Well, I, I think that you've got to look out for the best in the people who quote follow follow you. Um, a servant leader is really somebody who is supposed to look out for the best for the people that work with them, and so. I've always admired leaders that were willing to say stuff envelopes or, or bulletins kind of thing, even if they were like a pastor or something. And I would not think that it was efficient for us to stuff bulletins every week. But when there was a, maybe if bulletins get delivered late or things are going wrong and they are willing to come out of their office and, you know, all hands on deck with the rest of the staff, for example, or a boss is willing to come stuff envelopes or bills, I think that sends a big message to the people who work for them that I'm not above this. We're all in this together. We need to get these invoices out. Let's roll up our sleeves and work together. And to me, that's true servant leadership, to show people that are willing to get dirty with them. Kind of like that show Undercover Boss, you know, when they actually go try some of the things that their workers have to do. I think that 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 is one way to help relationships grow and not be so strained, is if you're willing to roll up your sleeves and get in there with them. And the other times is sometimes you just have to do the one thing that's right for the organization and realize that it may be right for the person too. In situations where you've had to let somebody go or do some kind of discipline or something, you know, you hate, you think, Oh, what are they going to do? But in the long run, sometimes those changes in, in their lives are one of the best things. Some of my job losses have actually become some of the better, you know, the good lessons in life or, or opened the door for other opportunities that maybe I wouldn't have even considered because I was comfortable where I was at. So we can't step in and try to be God for people either. Um, but I do think that we need to be gentle with people. I know that there are folks that, that they're not gentle with when certain things have, you know, maybe let people go or have to discipline. And we do have to remember that they're people, you know, they have feelings. Yeah. Uh, even if you have to deliver some bad news, you, you need to put yourself in their shoes a little bit. And that should help it be a little less awkward. If they know you truly care about them as a person, even if you have to deliver some bad news, uh, that should keep it from you know being so awkward. Can you recommend one or two books that may help leader grow? Leaders grow. Um, <laughs> yeah. Actually, this is segues great. I, I actually, instead of recommending a book, I would like to recommend a website. Okay. Uh, this is somebody I work with, and it's called Let's Grow Leaders dot com. And um, I really enjoy her writing. Um, I do help her with some things, so you know. Full disclosure there. Um, and she has written a book, uh, about getting along with your boss. And she's got another book coming out too, uh, for managers not to lose their soul <laughs> and all that. Um, and so, uh, I think that that would be a great website to subscribe through, to subscribe to, um, engaging posts 
and um, it ha- has a lot to say for leaders. Uh, a lot of things by Michael Hyatt, I think, are also pretty high quality posts and things that uh, help both in the personal life and just uh, I, I do listen to his podcast pretty uh, religiously. And um, Entree Leadership Podcast is another one that brings on a lot of people. It's not necessarily my favorite podcast, but it is. They bring in a lot of uh, interesting business folks to learn from. But I also recommend that people just, you know, maybe maybe some people locally that you know that are running a business successfully, connecting with them on social media and just staying, having a warm connection with some of your small business leaders in your own community. That Because not every successful leader has to have a huge company or make millions of dollars or a huge church. There's some of your in your communities that are leading solid organizations, small nonprofits, things like that. I'm on the board of a small nonprofit that does not have a bunch of employees, uh, but they are solidly leading and helping give counseling and coaching to women. And um, some good things are happening with organizations that are in your local town. So I would encourage people not just rely on the books all the time, but follow blog posts. You know, subscribe to some blog posts from people who uh, write some good things for leaders. Some of the leadership books, I think, sometimes can get a little cliche, especially if they're written by people who produce mass-produced books. They become a celebrity, and then books come out every single year or every couple of years. And not that their stuff isn't good, um, some good things, but sometimes it's, you know, a lot of the same, I guess, type of thing out there. So balance that with some individuals, support some of the small leaders, small business leaders and small organization leaders uh, that don't have the huge platforms. I would encourage your listeners to find some smaller ones to follow and help build their platforms rather than just get on the train of the people with the huge, you know, platforms and all that. So I really like that answer. It's something different. I think that's the first time anybody's recommended a website rather than a book here, but that's what this is all about, is finding new and different resources. Sure. Do you have anything else you'd like to share with up-and-coming leaders? Well, I mentioned this, in, but I want to say it again. A leader is also, a, every leader is also a follower. Um, there, are, there is somebody we follow. Um, there's someone who's an example to us. Uh, we may be parents, but we also have parents. Uh, we may be a boss. But we also have a boss. Even the highest CEO has, you know, the chairman of the board <laughs> to answer to. A senior pastor still has, you know, elders a lot of times to, to answer to. So be a good follower as well. Not be a follower that you're just blindly. But to me, being a good follower is, you know, you're willing to test what they're saying. Even if it's somebody you highly admire. They might not be right 100% of the time. So be discerning about some of the things they say that may not resonate well with with uh, your own, you know, how you're growing and what you're learning too. Um, be respectful of people who are leaders in your life and support them. Realize that it's not always fun for them. Um, as I mentioned about the small, the smaller blogs and the smaller businesses, uh, it's very encouraging to hear from someone who says that something you wrote made a big difference to them. I don't think people realize how much that means to somebody who writes because sometimes you probably experience that. You wonder, okay, I throw this out there and <laughs> I, I don't know. Does it even make a difference in anybody's life? So be a good follower. Encourage the people that you're following on social media. Encourage the small business owners in your community by giving them business. Encourage, you know, 
give give kudos to companies that do a good job. That's being a good follower too. And obviously be a good leader, but also be a good type of follower because that'll actually help you lead well too. It, they, they kind of work together. So that's probably a key advice I think I'd tell, especially young leaders. Great advice for them. Um, as we wrap up, where can the listeners find you online? The best place to find me is BethFutler.com, and that's uh, B-E-U-T-L-E-R. And uh, everything's centralized there. I blog weekly, and I have a tip. usually add a tip on Thursdays and a blog post on Mondays. I'm very involved on some social media, but you can find me from the blog there. Um, I have books on Amazon as well, which you can actually launch to from the blogs. So I would say that's my address online. It's BethButler.com. You need to find out anything. You want to contact me about anything, uh, virtual assistant services or speaking or find my anything out about my books. That Everything can be found there to start with. So. All right, great. I'll make sure to have that link linked up in the show notes. Okay. Um, thanks for being on the show today, Beth. It's been a pleasure well, talking thanks. to you. Yeah, thanks for inviting me and, and blessings to you too as you encourage young leaders. I hope you enjoyed today's episode of the Answers from Leadership podcast. Beth was a great guest who shared strategies for overcoming the overwhelm and how to become more productive. If you would like the show notes for today's episode, you will find them at jmlalone.com slash 025. As we wrap up today, can I ask you a favor? If you enjoyed what you heard, would you please share this episode with a friend? Doing so helps spread the word and gets the podcast into the hands of other leaders who could use it. Till next time, continue to lead well.